0: and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. Thanks for stopping by on this Monday, November 15th. At least that's when I'm recording it. It is episode 80 of the podcast. You might be listening to this on the 16th, the 17th. Who knows? But at least I'm recording it on the 15th as we start off a new work week. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Boy, we had some excellent weather Over the weekend, I got to go to some high school football games Friday night. First time I've actually shot high school football for our highlight show in a long time uh, because I've been doing other projects over the last couple years. But I got to shoot high school football uh, on Friday night, on Saturday afternoon. Then I shot some high school basketball on Saturday night. So it was fun to get back out there and shoot some of these events that I've been doing my whole career. So that was a good time. So hopefully you guys had a great weekend. As I mentioned, this is episode 80. No video today, just audio, and uh, we will be discussing several topics. The main headline, though, coming out of the weekend is that not only did the Texans not lose, which is huge, they didn't play, so I guess that pleased everybody. Uh, they had their bye week, but the other top story is what's going on in Austin with the Texas Longhorns. Uh, they lose to Kansas, 57-56 to in overtime. Uh I, look we've talked about Texas before h- hitting multiple lows this might be the all-time low losing at home to Kansas Kansas hadn't won a road game in the Big 12 in years and they finally break that uh, losing streak and they do it in Austin and boy there is certainly some dysfunction on the 40 acres I will get to my thoughts on that in a little bit uh but before we keep going here go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already I I appreciate um I appreciate the support that we're getting. We've gotten some good reviews online with the videos. And uh, today I'm working from home. I'm not going to the station, do all the stuff from uh, from home. So I decided to record this podcast back in the friendly confines of my closet. And oh, by the way, oh my goodness, totally sidetracked. Uh, so here's the thing. It, uh, here's the little view into my life. Um, I, I don't really have like a, a set... Pajama set, right? Like I don't I don't I don't really I wear different things to go to sleep. So I wear different types of t-shirts, but there's one t-shirt in particular that my wife absolutely hates. It's an old Navy shirt that I bought in 2017. It's got the American flag on it. And man, yeah, I gotta be honest, it's a great shirt. It says Old Navy 2017. What else does it say? Live free. <laughs> that's what we do in this country. We live free, that's for sure. Although some people want to take that stuff away, but we live free in this country. And uh, I love the shirt, right? So uh, I've worn it a lot, but my wife hates it. She has tried to sabotage this thing multiple times, multiple times. And um, she's tried to cut holes in it. She's tried to hide it. She's tried to throw it away. (laughs) And so it's an ongoing joke. And so the last couple of weeks, I've been looking for this thing. I've been wondering where it is. So she teased me the other day and said, hey, have you found that old Navy shirt yet? Uh, and I said, you know what? I don't know where that is. And she smiled and walked away. So I've been looking for it, looking for it, and wouldn't you know it, I found it. It was behind one of these plastic bins that we, that we uh, have in our closet, and uh, there it was. So now I will be wearing this uh, tonight, and I will say that I found it. So the joke is on her, so she's got to hide it better next time. Uh, so yeah, that was a little glimpse into what I just did, what I, what I just found here as I'm sitting in, on the floor in my closet and by the way if you hear some noises in the background i I try to isolate myself in this room because it's one acoustically sound as i've talked about before and two it's because we're, we're getting a lot of home improvement work done on the house i know it's a new new house a new build so i really shouldn't say home improvement per se it's home additions uh we are having thanksgiving at the house next week so I'm recording this podcast. I will hopefully have one next week, but honestly after today, I'm off nine of the next 10 days. I have to use my vacation days, man. I realize that so here's the thing, from July on, I don't or I don't use much vacation. I just don't have the opportunity to do it because I'm doing the high school football show. Then we get into September, the football season has started. Then October with the Astros, I have not had any days off. And I've got like 20 days to take from now until the end of the year, or I lose them. So I have to take them. So I will be off uh, all the way through Thanksgiving. But hopefully I will get you a podcast next week to react to that uh, Texans-Titans game that's coming up uh, this weekend. Boy, we're all looking forward to that, I'm sure. Um, But it was nice. You know, it was nice not having Texans football for a week. You know, uh, we talked about this on Sports Extra. Uh, Jason Bristol, my colleague, brought up the, uh, the question... What is it that the Texans do well? Well, the Texans question my love of football every single week. Every week I'm watching their games and I'm like, uh, oh my God, what am I watching? Anyway, I, th- I think I've sidetracked here. I was on one point and then I got sidetracked to another. Anyway, what I was going to say before, before I just dive right into the Texans again real quick, uh, if you hear some noises in the background, we're getting some work done. Thanksgiving is coming up. We got a lot of family coming into town brand new house. Everybody wants to come check it out. So we're going to have a really big party over here at Thanksgiving. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're getting some things done. Some new millwork done for our dining room wall. We ordered a dining table. I'm um, getting my game room set up, hanging some stuff. So there's a lot of stuff going on at the house. Got some workers coming over, hanging up all the, the wood paneling for the millwork. So that's not something that I want to do on my own. Because if I try to do that on my own, home improvement projects and Daniel Gotera do not mix. And my wife is, uh, is not going to let me actually try those things. Not that I want to, but she, she would never let me try those things here in the house. So I let the professionals do it. Uh, one man in particular, his name is Chuck. He runs a company out here in Brookshire, Katie. Chuck's do-all. I'm going to give him a shout-out because uh, he is just a phenomenal carpenter, woodworker, and he does a lot of things. He hangs a lot of stuff. He's from Louisiana, just an excellent human being. And uh, Chuck's do all, by the way, this is not a paid advertisement. This is just a total shout out. Chuck's do all for any of your uh, cabinetry work or anything that you want to do in the house. He is awesome. So he's here today. He's putting some stuff up. So if you hear some noises in the background, that's what it is. Anyway, I digress going back to what I was saying about the Texans. It was nice to not have Texans football because they question my love for football every week. This year, I'm already dealing with the fact that my Northwestern Wildcats are just an absolute joke out there on the field. They got blown out by Wisconsin again this weekend. They really have not played competitive football all year. They beat, let me see, they beat Indiana State, Ohio, not Ohio State, Ohio, and uh, they beat Rutgers. Uh, so all those teams are trash, and uh, my Wildcats have not been very competitive in any other game this year. They've been blown out by Nebraska, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Uh, They lost to Iowa. They lost to Michigan. It's not been good. They're not going to a bowl game. They shouldn't be going to a bowl game. This week they play Purdue at Wrigley Field, which I think is an absolute joke. I hate playing football games in non-football stadiums. I think that's that's a joke. We lose a home game. We're playing Purdue at Wrigley Field. We've done this before. We did it against Illinois several years ago. And I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And that's not because I'm a White Sox fan and they're playing at Wrigley Field, which is a dump anyway. If you've ever been to Wrigley Field, it's nice for the touristy type things. You get to go take some pictures. But the stadium itself is a dump. And uh, they got a bunch of rats running around and the whole thing. I just don't like it. And uh, Northwestern's playing football at Wrigley Field this weekend, which is um, a joke. Again, I digress. I was talking about the Texans. Why do I get getting off track here? I I have a lot to say. It was a busy weekend. And so it, we we're talking about the Texans. It was nice not having Texans football. And I and I hope they did some introspection because uh, as they entered the bye week at 1-8, and eight, they're trying to keep pace with the Lions. The Lions tied yesterday against the Steelers. It's hard to keep up with the Lions, man. I mean, they're bad, too, and the Texans are also bad. We got a Texans-Jets matchup coming up here in a couple of weeks next weekend at NRG Stadium. I will be there for that. I cannot wait. Um, so, um, Texans have to do their best to try to get a top spot in the NFL draft coming up next spring. But, you know, we, we talked about that on the show. We, you know, I've talked about it with people. They ask me all the time. is like, well, I, I mean, is, is it great for them to lose? Yeah, it's great for them to lose. There's no point in winning, but there's no real like top overall pick talent coming out this year. There's a lot of really good players, a lot of good defensive players. You don't know guys that you need if you're going to build out a roster, uh, which the Texans' roster is just not, not good at all. So you're going to need those type of players. They don't have that quarterback, so we're going to probably have to go through some really bad quarterback play again next year. Um, there's no real can't-miss guy. Um, you know, like this year with Trevor Lawrence and we've seen, uh, in the past, uh, some, you know, Mac Jones is playing really well. He was a top pick too. So there's not, there's not that one guy that you, you look at and you're like, oh, well, that's the guy we need to take. Oh, you know, like Deshaun Watson, you know, I wonder what, where he is, what teams he play for now. Oh, he's not playing for a team. He was, and then the Texans messed the whole thing up. And then he, uh, gave the old middle finger to the organization and that was that. So, yeah. So I, I think this year it's beneficial for them to lose, obviously. Um, but there is not that one guy that you want to, you know, it's not like a suck for luck type year. Uh, there's no number one overall pick that is just a consensus number one pick. Uh, There's a lot of good defensive players, which they need help too. So they were off this weekend. We don't need to talk any more about Texans football. They play the Titans coming up in Nashville. I enjoy that trip. I made that trip several times. Um, I I like going to Nashville. It's got a a lot lot of cool spots. They've revitalized the downtown area there. Um, uh, Nashville, the Titans are playing really well. They just beat the Saints even though they don't have Derrick Henry, and my fantasy team's a disaster. Which, by the way, my two top players on my team, Derrick Henry and Robert Woods, both of them out for the season. So my fantasy team is completely done. So fantasy football's over. My college team sucks. The pro team I cover sucks. So overall, it's not a great college and football season overall for me. But you know who's having it worse than me as of right now are the Texas Longhorns, and that's my first headline today. Man, Texas, what can we say about the Longhorns? A 57-56 loss to Kansas over the weekend at home. Now, we've seen the Longhorns lose to Kansas on the road. That's not something that's surprising because they've done that before. But losing to Kansas at home in overtime, and they were down by 21 points at, at one point in that game. 35-14, to they came back. Kansas did the best they could to try to throw that game away. Texas tied it. They go to overtime, and then the Jayhawks convert a two-point conversion from a guy who's never played offense before. (laughs) He's never played offense, and he catches a two-point conversion to win at Texas. Oh, man, it's a bad thing. Bad state of affairs over there in Austin on the 40 acres. And uh, coming up here after I give my thoughts, I I have a conversation with one of our – colleagues, one of my colleagues that works at our sister station, KVU, is the sports director at View in Austin. He's been covering the horns all year long. He's been seeing the ups and downs of this team. They were really, really good at the beginning, and then now they've been awful for the last five, six weeks. His name is Jeff Jones. He's a good dude. He knows everything about Texas football, so I will go to him for a little short Q&A here in a second, but first, just to share my quick thoughts on what's going on in Texas. Um, Look, this whole thing fell apart after they were up 38 to 20 in the Red River rivalry game against Oklahoma. They were rolling. I mean, you thought, "Oh my gosh, Texas I'm not going to say they're back, that's an overused term, but Texas looked really good. 38 to 20, they're beating they're blowing the doors off of Spencer Rattler and Oklahoma. Then Oklahoma puts in Caleb Williams and then that game changes. Oklahoma goes on to win and UT has never been the same. They lost that game, they have now lost four more in a row. I believe, if that's right, their record is now four and six. They were four and one there, so they lost that one. They've lost five in a row overall. Uh, there, there are now talks that Steve Sarkeesian might be out. This is his first year on the job. He had all those buzzwords, the slogans coming in, and this, this, he might be on the way out. Like, so, which brings me to my point about Texas. Okay, Texas, along with You know, programs like USC and you might be wanting to throw Florida in there, Florida State. Uh, Some of these programs that, you know, they had their heyday, right, Uh, back in the early 2000s and the the 90s. Nebraska. Nebraska is another example. I grouped Nebraska and Texas together. And the group and what identifies both of those schools is that there are unrealistic expectations that surround each of those programs, okay? Each of those programs and each of those institutions, the fan bases, all of, those, all of those entities believe that their program, and Texas is firmly included in that, they think that Texas needs to compete for a national title every year. That's fine if you think that, but those are unrealistic expectations. So what I think needs to happen in Texas is they need to have a come to Jesus moment. They need to realize that, hey, look, we want to be a program like Alabama, like Clemson, like Georgia, um, like Oklahoma. But we're not that program. Okay. We can we can say that we want to be, but there has to be a realization that they're not. They gave Charlie Strong 37 games. He got fired. They gave Tom Herman 36 games. He got fired. Now there's talk about getting rid of Steve Sarkeesian. Now there's discussions that he's losing the locker room already. Dude, we're 10 games in, nine games in, no, 10 games into his tenure at Texas, and he's already losing the locker room. His quote after the game on Saturday was when he was asked if his message is falling on deaf ears to the players, his quote was, Well, you'd have to ask them. Well, that is a terrible response to a question. Just awful. That's not the way you want to go here. First of all, these are college kids. They're not professionals. Profes- dealing with pros is totally different. Those guys are getting paid. They have families. They have kids. They have things other things to deal with. They have endorsement deals, although college players can have endorsement deals now. It's a totally different matter. When you're when you're losing the locker room in college, that is not good. I So I don't know if they're gonna get rid of Steve Sarkeesian. Jeff and I are going to talk about that here in a second. I don't know if they're going to make that change so quickly. Look, Steve Sarkeesian was a guy who had a lot of problems at USC, a lot of off-the-field problems. It's good on him that he's kind of changed his life around, went to Alabama, was a great offensive coordinator. Then again, Bill O'Brien has looked great as an offensive coordinator in Alabama this year, so it seems like that's more of a Nick Saban thing than the actual coach. So Steve Sarkisian comes over. He's got, like I said, all these buzzwords. They started off strong. And then when they faced adversity, things have started to fall apart. But my point is that Texas, yes, they like to spend money. They have the facilities. They're upgrading their stadium. It looks nice. But they are not the program right now to compete for national championships. They're going to the SEC. They can't beat Kansas at home. How in the world do you think you can compete? and set these unrealistic expectations on not only the coaching staff, but the players. Like, I think a good combination, a good comparison is Texas A&M, right? I talked about this on Sports Extra. And, look, in College Station, there are also unrealistic expectations that they need to win national championships all the time. They're not going to win any national championships. They're going up against Alabama every year. Yes, they beat Alabama this season. And if they would have taken care of business, they would have been in a good position. But it seems like they're, they're a little bit more in tune with reality in College Station than they are in Austin. And this is not a slam on, on, on the fan base and the administration and all that. I think it's just looking at the situation the way it is. You know, they won the title in that greatest game that was ever played with Vince Young beating USC. Then they went back to a national championship, lost to Alabama. That was with Colt McCoy. He got hurt and the whole thing. Um, But ever since then, there is this feeling that they should be in the mix like other programs. Nebraska feels the same way. Scott Frost, same deal. Okay? Nebraska has not been relevant on the national stage since the early 2000s. They have not been relevant. Since they've been to the Big Ten – they have not been relevant on the national stage. And, you know, for the most part, yeah, Texas under Tom Herman, they went to a Sugar Bowl. They won the Sugar Bowl, which is a great win. But consistently, they are not that type of program that they think they are. And I think there needs to be some introspection as to, as to who that program really is, what they really are. They've got the money. They've got the resources. They need to give coaches time they got away from Tom Herman. I'm not saying that he would have worked out and maybe he did lose the locker room and it was behind the scenes and all sorts of stuff. My wife just interrupted me, by the way. Yeah, she interrupted me. By the way, I found my shirt. I found my shirt. Yes, I found my shirt. So anyway, anyway, I, I, I'm being interrupted right now by her. and she, she needs to go away.
1: I have to take the mic because that's what I do. So
0: he has this shirt that absolutely sucks is I that went, a bad I word went over it already you already talked about it i already it? talked about the shirt and how i love the shirt all right give me the microphone back give me the microphone. Yeah. okay that's fine give me the microphone back okay all right what was i saying anyway you know what i'm so off course i think texas needs a dose of reality they need to get back to realizing that they are not the program that they think they are and here's jeff jones from KVU, and we talk about that and many more things including steve sarkeesian's future All right, Jeff, always nice to talk to you. And yes, there is plenty to talk about these days over in Austin. I guess your first impression, we heard from Steve Sarkeesian today uh, in his day after or two day after press conference. What uh, what was your take on his thoughts on the state of the program?
1: You know, my take, uh, the big takeaway for me was kind of how I've felt he's been the entire season and that is just steady. You know, he didn't sound like he was ringing alarms. He definitely didn't sound pleased with how the season has gone five straight losses for the first time since 1956. But he didn't sound uh, frazzled, you know, frustrated or overly frustrated or, or shaken, which I think is great. And it's great for these players to see that when things go well, you know, we don't get too excited. And when they go poorly or in this case, like about as bad as they can go, it's not cause for over the top concern. Uh, newsworthy items, though. The big thing that he mentioned in his opening statement is that star running back Bijan John Robinson, who, in my opinion, is the best running back in the nation, is going to miss the remainder of the season with a dislocated elbow. We saw him walk off of the field in Saturday's loss against Kansas. And, and during that walk, he looked back, and it was a long walk. He probably walked 80 yards to the locker room, and he looked back a couple of times and I knew in the press box right then that that was probably the last time we'd see number five on offense uh, this season for the Longhorns.
0: What happened here? Like, I think that's the <laughs> biggest question. Like, no, seriously, we go back to OU, and I, I guess that's the that's the the turning point of the season. They're up 38 thirty-eight twenty, they were cruising four and one record, and then after that, when OU comes back, the, the the sky started falling. I mean, what what's going on here from your perspective? They're close to the program, you're around it all the time. What do you think is happening here with, uh, with the Texas Longhorns?
1: Daniel, you mentioned OU as the turning point game, and I'll take it even, even a step farther. I'll give you the one play that changed the course of not just the Longhorn season, but the Sooner season as well. So it's fourth and two around midfield and and Texas, it looks like they have their foot on the Sooner's throat and they're just ready to step down and end this thing. So Oklahoma goes for it on fourth and two on a spot in the field in a time of the game where you typically wouldn't go for it. They bring in backup quarterback, then backup quarterback Caleb Williams and, and they call a quarterback sneak. Now, Jaron Thompson, a Texas safety has a chance to stop that play dead in its tracks in the backfield. If he makes that tackle, Texas gets the ball. They're already up three scores. They might go up four scores and win that game. And, and you know, Oklahoma's season goes in a different direction. Texas's season definitely goes in a different direction. But instead, Caleb Williams took that ball 66 yards to the house, won the starting quarterback job, doing large part to that play because he stayed in the game after that play and the momentum of the game shifted from the Bernard sideline to the maroon and Green sideline. And that's how it's been for the rest of the season. Uh, what's going wrong for the Longhorns? I think it's that snowball effect. Once one thing goes bad, it just gains steam and gains steam and gains steam. And I mean, nobody would have predicted that Kansas could come into Austin as a 30 point underdog and beat the Longhorns. But that's just that snowball effect. You know, once things start to go wrong, they get even worse and worse, and it leads you to four and six with a chance of being four and eight. Have you noticed a change in the last couple of weeks? I mean, one thing is to,
0: you know, lose close games. I mean, that happens, right? I know Sarkeesian is trying to build the program. We, I'll, I'll ask you about the recruiting process and the last couple of recruiting classes that have not really, uh, have not really panned out the way uh, that folks there in Austin would have hoped. But have you noticed a difference in the last couple of games and how this team approaches things? Um, maybe executing X's and O's type deals on the field. Like what what changed after that play? Because I mean, one thing is to lose a game and all that, but the snowball effect it it has really gone downhill in a hurry.
1: Yeah, I think there are some some teams that walk into games expecting to win, and when you do that, every play you line up you expect something good to happen on that play. When things start going bad over and over again, you walk into the stadium expecting for something to go bad. And then on every single play you line up and you're like, Hey, I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try to do my job. But when something doesn't go exactly how you expect it to in the back of your mind, it's not a conscious thing, but in the back of your mind, it's like a, Oh crap, here we go again. And I I've seen that. Um, I have seen And again, it's not a conscious thing. This team has definitely not quit. And I don't believe that locker room is fractured at all. But I do believe once things start to go wrong in games, in quarters, even on plays, uh, there's something in the back of this team's mind that says, here it is. You know, things have gone wrong for a month and a half. I should have known they were going to go wrong again today, this quarter, this play. And we saw that against Kansas. And we have a chance on Saturday against West Virginia to see things change. But I don't know that they will.
0: The thing that caught my attention was the quote from uh, Sark that got a lot of, uh, a lot of traction afterwards was when he was asked about the locker room and if his message is not reaching the players anymore. And his answer was less than ideal in that Mm -hmm. moment. I know you had just lost to a a team you were supposed to crush at home, but he said, well, you'd have to ask them. That's not really what people were hoping for (laughs) in that situation. Um, What was your take on that answer? And, you know, hearing from the guys today, Uh, You don't think that, you know, they're toning tuning him out
1: just yet. Yeah. My take from that answer is, uh, is actually one that I appreciate. I appreciate that Sark is so honest. And my take from that answer is that he's being very honest again. Um, I remember one of the questions I was asked post game was essentially what part of your message is not getting through to the team. And he started that answer off by saying, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's not getting across to them. So we asked the players today, you know, what's the issue? What's, where's the disconnect, and is this locker room one that is, is salvageable? And every player we spoke to today said the locker room isn't broken. Like, we trust the coaches, and Casey Thompson, the starting quarterback, gave us an interesting formula for every team he says he's been on has About 10% of the guys who are elite, going above and beyond, trying to do everything they can, they are more than bought in. You know, they they are the ones who are are rowing the boat. They're ready to make this team succeed. About 80% of the team is pretty much bought in. They'll do what's asked, but they won't go above and beyond. And there are 10% of the team, there's 10% of the team that's, in a sense, holding you back. You know, these are guys who still haven't been won over. They're very skeptical about everyone and everything. And Casey said his his focus right now is moving some of that 80% chunk in the middle to be the elite. And then they'll get to that last 10% when they get to that last 10%. Oh,
0: that's pretty interesting. I kind of like that formula for sure. Uh, Going to that, though, I mean, Sark also said that he expects a lot of change in the roster uh, next year, right? I think the number was at least 30 new players on the roster. I mean, that's a that's a huge number, especially for a program like Texas, who recruits at such a high level. You know, I read also an article in the Athletic, I believe, that it said that from the twenty nineteen class, five of twenty or five of twenty six players in that class are getting a lot of playing time. That's not something that you really want. Um, everybody's talking about whether or not he's going to, you know, Sark is going to be fired after this year. I, I know, I know, folks in, <laughs> that want to win, that want to see this team win. I don't think he's going to get fired. It doesn't sound like you think he's is going to be fired, like an immediate change, right?
1: I don't think he's going to be fired. Um, today, he spoke to the question was posed, has anyone from above asked you to let go of members of your staff? Have they put pressure on you to get rid of, and I'm thinking the question was aimed at defensive staff members. You, know, you give up 57 points at home to Kansas, that's not a good number. And Coach Sark said no. Haven't received any of that pressure. Don't plan on making any staff changes right now. Um, The plan still is to make it through the season and then look back and reflect on everything. He said that's everything from players to uh, strength and conditioning, to nutrition, to how they run practice, also to coaches. So I, like you said, Daniel, I agree with you. I don't expect Sark to get fired. I would not be surprised if there is some shakeup on this staff, but I can tell you this much, Sark and the players still believe in this staff.
0: My take on this whole Texas situation, and and I said it before you came on, is I think there is a uh, lack of touch with reality here, Um, whether that's from the alumni, from the expectations around the program. I kind of equate it to Nebraska. okay? Okay, Nebraska has not been relevant on the national stage for a long time, right? I'm not saying that Texas isn't relevant. They're getting better players, better recruiting classes. But I think that in this situation, there has to be a little bit of a come-to-Jesus mode and be like, hey, look, guys, we're not at that point yet. We want to be there, but we're not there yet. So putting expectations on coaches and players, I just don't think that's very fair to the folks that are involved. What is your, what is your assessment on that?
1: Man... People in Austin, if they heard you compare these Longhorns to Nebraska, they'd either start crying or throwing things at their screen right now. You can't make that comparison, Daniel. Oh but I understand God. exactly what oh you're saying. You know, I'll so- take
0: the heat. It's okay, Jeff. I'll take the heat. It's all good. Yeah,
1: yeah. two storied programs that typically enter seasons with a lot of expectations and, and these high rankings, and of late over the past decade or so, they haven't lived up to those preseason expectations and Man, we, we've used that E word quite a few times over the past 60 seconds or so. Expectations are dangerous. And that's exactly what's, what's hurting people so much. And it's not just the expectations entering the season because those were pretty high. I think a, a eight, nine win season in Sark's first year, solid and, and probably fair expectations. But where things really got thrown off is the moment that we talked about earlier in this season when Texas was a four and one team and they were up by three scores on Oklahoma. That's when expectations went through the roof and it was dangerous because the buildup just let the fan base fall so much farther when that five game losing streak happened.
0: I'm finally got to ask you before I let you go, what do you wanna see from Texas the last couple of games?
1: I want to see more of Keelan Robinson, who probably will not start at running back, even with Bijan Robinson out. It's probably going to be Roshan Johnson starting at running back. But Keelan Robinson has made some big plays when he's had opportunities at running back and made some big plays on special teams. I want to see what he has in the tank. He's a, he's a transfer from Alabama, so he's a top-tier athlete. And I just want to know what that running back rotation and room looks like without the team's best player. B. John Robinson is far and away the team's best player. You're going to be without him. Um, So how are you going to respond? I also want to stop seeing this rotating quarterback Mm. controversy going on. That's Casey Thompson's job this year. Number 11 has been better than number one. Anyone with two eyes who's been watching the games can see that. So I want to see that position uh, just solidified. Let Casey get in the groove of things. If he's having a good game, let him continue. If he's having a bad game, let him work himself out of it. And I want to see the defense turn into the defense that I saw against Louisiana in the home opener. So what happened in that game, it just looked like Texas was... A step ahead of Louisiana. I say it's the home opener. It was the, the first big game of the season. Yeah. And it looked like Texas, the UT defense was just a step ahead of the Louisiana offense. And I talked to some of the big players after the game, and Overshone and Keandre Coburn, and that's exactly what they told me. They said, through the weekend practice, everything we practiced is exactly what they did. So we knew what plays were coming. Clearly, they have not known what plays were coming over these past five weeks. The Kansas Jayhawks, I'm going to say it again, scored 57 points against the Longhorns in Austin. What has changed on that defense? They're not being prepared the same way that they were two months ago. So I want to see whatever has changed, change back. These players need to win the defensive battle here in between the years before they can win it on the field.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a little tougher competition than the Kansas Jayhawks when they go to the SEC,
1: so uh, <laughs>
0: listen, if you can't beat yeah. Kansas at home, uh, I don't know what division they're going to be in in the SEC, but I can guarantee it's going to be a little tougher than Kansas.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you mean to tell me that uh, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, those teams are better than Kansas? Yeah, you me.
0: know what? It, it, it depends on the day, Jeff. It depends on the day. In <laughs> the
1: sport, the Jayhawks might get them in basketball. That's true. They'll get them in <laughs>
0: basketball almost every day. So, <laughs> hey, Jeff, thank you so much. I appreciate it, and uh, let's see if they close this thing out in a in a good way.
1: Appreciate it. Nice to talk to you. Many thanks to Jeff. We'll
0: see what happens over there on the uh, forty acres in Austin. And um, I always appreciate talking to him. He knows his stuff about Texas football, so we'll see what happens. Anyway, now we move on to our second headline, and that's the Rockets. Rockets losing to Phoenix uh, last night by a huge margin, Uh, but Phoenix is really good. They just went to the NBA Finals, and um, look, the Rockets... I don't know if there's really much to say about the Rockets, but again, it goes back to expectations and putting things into perspective, right? I guess that's the theme of this podcast today. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of people online, and God bless them. They love the Rockets, and they follow the team, and they're at every game. They watch every game. Look, I'm not watching every game. I've watched a couple of games this year between what's been going on with the Astros. I've got things going on at home. And I have not watched every single Rockets game this year, but I will say that if you watch this team play and going into the season, you kind of had an idea of what this was going to be. All right. I've got a couple of teenagers out there playing, got a lot of young kids, people that have not been in this atmosphere. Kai's coming from overseas that never played in the NBA. You knew what this was going to be. Yeah, there. are they're an exciting young group, but they don't have any experience. So what's being, what's being played out in these games is just that. The experience is just not there. There are missed assignments. They're not in the right spots on rotations. Um, they get frustrated on the floor. when they, they have a lot of turnovers. Like It goes back to perspective. There are Rockets fans that are upset. Oh, my God, what are we watching? This is terrible. Well, what did you expect? What did you expect? Did you think they were going to come out here and be in playoff contention immediately? No. No. Maybe later on in the season they're going to kind of find their legs and kind of get some things right. And once they figure out rotations, Coach Silas is still feeling these guys out. He's got a lot of new guys he's never even coached before. I mean, so people are getting on Silas because he's not using the right rotations. Look, about the Rockets, just – this is going to be a long project, man. They're not going to be good this year. They're probably not going to be good next year. It's a full rebuild, top to bottom. They've burned the whole thing down and started from scratch with a bunch of new guys. So it's okay. Eventually, they'll get to where they hope to be in the playoffs, maybe like 6-7C. Maybe that comes next year. Maybe that comes the year after. But right now, you cannot expect these guys to go out there and win a bunch of games. They're 1-12, and 12, Okay? I've always said, and I said this when the Rockets were burning the whole thing to the ground with James Arden, I've always said, if you're going to suck, suck really well. Okay? <laughs> be really bad at be really good at being really bad. That's what I should say. And uh, the Rockets are doing just that. They're learning, all right? You see it in some of the games. They they go on spurts. They go through their turnover spells. Like, even yesterday against Phoenix, they were down early, but they came back and were only down by a couple of four points, I believe, at the end of the first quarter. But then Phoenix has experience. They played in the finals. You're not going to be able to compete with a team like that when you've got a bunch of guys that have never played on the... NBA stage before. Jalen Green's a nice player. He, he's, he's shown some flashes. He's a very dynamic scorer, but he's still trying to find his rhythm in the offense. His three-point shot is a little off. That's okay. Like You cannot watch Rockets games and think, well, well, this is a disaster. What is going on? We need to make changes immediately. Like No. no. Do they need to fix some rotation? Sure. Uh, but it goes back to expectation. I see a lot of frustrations already online with this Rockets team. Guys, it's not going to be pretty. Nobody ever said this was going to be pretty. Uh, Kim Davis, our guest on Sports Extra, she brought up a good point. She she was talking to a beat writer recently. She said Oklahoma City the Oklahoma City Thunder, when they had Kevin Durant, Sergio Baca, when they were really young, they started three and thirty. Three and thirty. Okay? Rockets are only one and twelve. That worked out okay for Oklahoma City. They ended up getting to the NBA finals. They had several bad seasons, got good players in the draft, guys that ended up being superstars, future Hall of Famers. I don't know if that's going to happen with the Rockets, but they're going to be bad. They're going to end up at the top of the draft. You're going to get some good players in return. I think Jalen Green's going to be a nice player. I think Kevin Porter Jr. is going to be a nice player. I think the kid that they brought over from overseas uh, is going to be a nice player. Um... Alperin Shagoon, I think is his name. I think he's going to be a nice... Eric Gordon had a lot of things, nice things to say. By the way, it's time to trade Eric Gordon. Get that man out of Houston because he deserves to be on a contender. Uh, I feel bad for him. John Wall doesn't want to play here anymore. He can just sit on the bench, but I, Eric Gordon wants to play, and so I think it's time to trade him and get him to a contender. But overall, the Rockets are who we thought they were going to be. I mean, they're they're not very good. That doesn't mean they're not talented. They're just not very good as a unit, as a team. I think Christian Wood has maybe taken a step back a little bit. He got frustrated uh, this past game. It led to another three-pointer. He turned the ball over, got frustrated, led to a three-pointer. Those are things that these guys are going to learn together. And I think Coach Silas is the right guy. I mean, that's why they have him here. They were talking about his experience with working with younger talent during the preseason, so let him do that. I know Coach Silas wears his emotions on his sleeve. He wants to win games. It's only natural. If you're competitive... And you want to be in a competitive environment in the NBA. You want to win games. You want to see your hard work translate to victories. But sometimes the process is more important than winning. And as I mentioned, if you're going to be bad, be very good at it. And the Rockets so far have been very good at being bad. But that doesn't mean that's going to stay that way. I think there is some potential there with these young kids. And they just need to, just, just need to focus in on it. And uh, I think they're going to be okay. All right, we talked Texans, we talked Rockets, we talked Texas Longhorn football, and we talked, and my wife interrupted this podcast, so that was very nice of her. So I think that's a full show, don't you think? I would say that that's a full show. Until next week, I will see you then. We've got Texans and Titans next weekend. Hey, U of H basketball has gotten off to a good start, although they got a scare against Hofstra. They played Virginia this week. We'll see what happens to the Cougs. Um. Yeah, high school playoffs roll along, volleyball state championships this weekend. We got some things going on, even though we don't have baseball. And I already miss baseball, man. I miss baseball. I miss watching my White Sox every day. But baseball will be back. The winter meetings are coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll see what the Astros do there. And uh, let's see where Carlos Correa lands. But until then, I will, uh, I will see you later. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next Monday.